We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys on this beautiful, is it summer yet? I don't even, is it summer, is it spring? I can't tell. One day it's 90 degrees, another day it's 56 degrees. Who knows here in Montana? But I am just glad to be alive and in Montana, this amazing place that we live in. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yes. Hey, before I begin my message today, which I'm very excited to bring you, I want to um, let you know about uh, a staffing change that we've had for the last three years We've had the amazing Miss Nicole Fant be our kids director, and she has just done an amazing job. And um, over the last year, she was feeling like she wanted to um, be done with her role, that God was moving her on to focus on her family and some things in her life that are priority to her. And so we've been in this process of looking for a new kids director, and I am happy to announce to you this morning that I believe we found um, who God picked to be our next kids director. And so I want to take a moment just to introduce him to you. His name is Adam Baxter. Adam, if you're here, would you come on up? Come on up to the stage. Here he is. I want to introduce you to this amazing guy as I've got to know him. He's actually become a, a friend, and I'm excited just to get to know you and your family more as God sovereignly moved you guys here last year from Oregon. And, um, and now he's led you in the direction to accept this position, and we're excited for you. You want to say something to the people? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. First time on stage, so I apologize. Uh, but no, I'm extremely excited to get to know all of you guys and to know all of your kids, build those relationships. And it's truly amazing how God has brought not just me, but my entire family into this family here. Uh, and we're extremely excited to be a part of it. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, awesome. It's a picture of Adam's beautiful family, his wife, Carrie, his daughter, Truth, Dixon, and Merrill, his two sons, amazing kids, amazing family. And we're just excited, man. We're excited to partner with you. Thank you for saying yes to the call. Can we just pray for Adam real quick together as a church family? God, thank you for bringing Adam and his family here. God, we... Um, we know that you have called them into this position, God, and he recognizes this is a calling from you, and we recognize that as the church. And so, Father, we bless him. We pray for him. We pray that you would anoint him to do what you've called them to do. We pray that there would be a grace upon him to do what you've called them to do, that supernatural empowerment, God. I pray that you give him wisdom, God, that you would refresh him as he was refreshing others. And... Um, Lord, just give him a, a fresh vision for our kids' ministry, God, together as we're going after you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Now go, go teach those kiddos. All right. We have been um, in this series called Sculpted for several weeks now, and uh, we're, we're kind of coming towards the end. We're getting into the last couple of chapters as this message series has been based on the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books of the Bible. And what I love about the book of Ephesians, as you've probably noticed if you've been here, is the fact that Paul starts out in the first three chapters of laying a foundation, uh, a theological foundation for our beliefs, for our faith, that first we believe the right things, and then moving on in chapter 4 and into the rest of the chapters, how we actually live out our theology. And I think too often 
in our Western civilization culture here in America, we tend to think that if we know enough, that we will naturally become what we know. And now Paul has been moving us in the direction of now that you know what you need to know about who God is and who you are in Christ, it has to affect that the way we live. It has to start working in, not just in our head, but down to our heart and out to our hands and our feet. And so today we're gonna continue on that vein um, and we're gonna pick up in Ephesians chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter five. And I am going to read out of the NIV, Ephesians chapter 5. Christ, sorry, Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity or any greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, any foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this, you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what, is the, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Wake up, sleeper, from, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. For every... Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And can I get an amen? The title of my message to you this morning is A Woke Church. A Woke Church. And for any of you who are up on uh, culture and times, you probably noticed that I use that word, a woke church, very carefully because we're living in a, in a season, a time. Paul, in this passage, is reminding us that, that we have an opportunity, that we're living in some evil days. We're leave it, living in days where we have to be very careful, actually, how we're living. That as followers of Jesus, that we're in danger when Paul says that, that when I was reading through this passage, the thing that stuck out to me the most was that part where he says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, when we read that, we could, 
immediately read that and assume that Paul is referring to non-believers, not Christians, people who aren't followers of Christ. Actually, that is not true. Paul was speaking that strong word to you and to me and to the church. And I believe if there's ever a time where the church of Christ needs to be awakened to who we are, to who God is, and that we are living in times that we have to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, I mean, you can look at the world today and, and our culture says that we need to be awakened to injustice in the world. And, and by all means, God is a God of justice. But here's the problem with a woke culture. A woke culture uh, is a culture that is awakened to injustice and tries to fix justice by the world's ways instead of God's ways. I think more than ever, what, what we need is men and women of God that are awakened, that are rising up from their sleep and are following Jesus and letting the light and the love of Christ shine on us so that we can be a city on a hill, a beacon in this dark time that we're living in, that we can allow the light and the love of Jesus to shine. People are looking for an example to follow. They're looking to the church to be this beacon of hope and this beacon of light. And yet when we look out, we see leaders falling. How is that? How is it that, that we're seeing men of God and women of God fall into uh, sin and fall away from God? And, and what happens is what's sad to me is too many times, in fact, I heard a story this week of this couple, who amazing couple, who were serving in the church, serving God faithfully for years in the church, and, and something happened with the pastor of that church, and, and him and his wife, they, they actually came at these people, and it hurt them and wounded them so bad, and they saw that, that the way that their character um, came across to them, so unloving, and probably even selfish, that it completely made them step away from the church, walk away from their faith, and now are not following God's ways, but are just following whatever they seems right They're in their own eyes. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says that, that we can follow whatever seems right. A man, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And I think right now, more than ever, we need to, Paul is urging us, to follow God's example, to be imitators. That word follow is actually in the Greek word, it's, it's the word imitation, as children. And he's giving us this picture of how children, when they're little, I don't know about you, but I just, I had my son graduated from Glacier High School yesterday, praise God. I've got three, I've got three graduates. Yeah, we're gonna honor our graduates in our 11 o'clock service. We got some gifts for them, we're gonna pray over them. It's gonna be amazing. But I'm sitting there yesterday, and I was looking out at almost 300 graduates and thinking even one of the speeches one of the graduates was giving is that, you know, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing with my life and here I am 17 years old and I don't have a clue. And I thought that was ironic because it doesn't matter if you're 17 or you're 49 or you're 72, that for a lot of us, we could get lost in life and we could start heading down a wrong path and we could start walking into darkness little by little and not even realize it until we come to a place where we don't know who we are, we don't know who God is, we don't know what we sh should be doing with our life 
and we don't have any examples to follow. There was this one young man while we're sitting there and, and we're, we're watching um, the ceremony happen and there was somebody speaking and this one young man, uh, probably 45, 50 minutes into the ceremony, he just walks in from the back and he's got sunglasses on and he goes and one of the teachers shows him to a seat and he sits down and he barely made it into the service, you know, the ceremony. And I was thinking that I wonder, and maybe I'm wrong, but in, in my heart, I thought, I wonder if that young man has an example to follow. I wonder if he has a father in his life. I wonder if he has godly men. I wonder if he has godly friends. I wonder if the reason that he showed up late and he didn't really care or have that much of a value, maybe I'm wrong, maybe something could have completely happened. Maybe his car broke down, I don't know. But I looked out over 300 young people and I wonder how many in this room, and if we're gonna go by statistics, over half in that room don't have a father to follow. And even the ones that do, are, are they following God like Paul is telling and admonishing us? Are, are, are they leaving an example to follow? It reminds me of when, um, when my kids were, were younger and I used to mow the lawn on my riding tractor and I was grateful for that riding tractor because I used to have a push mower. And it was funny because when I had a push mower, I would, I would do the lawn and be you know, mowing the lawn, walking, sweating, working hard, mowing the lawn. And my, my younger son, one of my younger sons, Jaden, he used to put on my shoes and he used to put on one of my hats and I have this image in my head of mowing the lawn and one time I would look back and Jaden would just be following me along in, in my shoes and in my hat just following dad and, and wanted to do what I was doing. And, and it's a beautiful picture of that we have a heavenly father that has shown us the way of love, that he's given everything, he gave up his only son sacrifice so much so that we could follow him and walk in the light as he is in the light. And, and I, re, I was reminded of, how many of you are country music fans? How many country music fans? Well, you, you might know this song um, by Brad Paisley. Um, he wrote a song, and in the song, it's called Letter to Myself. And in that song, it's about if he could go back and write a letter to his 17-year-old self, what would he, what would he uh, write to himself to challenge himself so that he wouldn't head down this path into things that led him into dark times in his life, led him into things that kind of took him off the plan for his life? There, there's a line in there that I kind of like. A lot of you parents will like it too. It says, each and every time you have a fight, just assume you're wrong and dad is right. I want to write that in my kid's, you know, graduation card, just to write that. But so many times we, we think there's, we look at life and because we act in our own will, in our own knowledge of what we think we should do, the, 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 the plans that we follow, the culture that we're following is leading us into something. And oftentimes we're fighting God. We're fighting what he's trying to lead us into. And, and we have to realize that dad is right. Like God loves us. Like this whole book that he gave us called the Bible, this instruction manual on how to live is because God loves us. And yet we find ourselves wandering away and drifting away into some dark things. 
And, and I believe that if we're going to be fully awakened, I believe that there's a couple things that, that God is wanting to do through this whole crazy pandemic season. Number one, he's trying to awaken his church. He's trying to awaken his church that time is getting short, that we're living in some dark times, and we need to be awake, and we need to be alert, just like Peter admonished us, be alert, be sober-minded. The devil, your adversary, is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so if you're not awake in this hour, if you're not awake and you're not enlightened to the truth of God, and, and you don't see God clearly, you don't know what he's doing, you don't hear his voice, you're going to be in trouble. Because you're going to wander off the path of God and you're going to be vulnerable to be picked off by that lion. He's going to see you as prey. And I see too many people in the season doing that. So number one, he's awakening his church. Number two, he's cleaning up his church. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, now that you know who God is, I've reminded you in the first three chapters who God is. And I've reminded you of who you are. You're a masterpiece. That there are, there are good things that God has planned for you. That there's purpose in your life. That you're a son. That you're a daughter of the Most High God. And that means you can't live like everybody else. You've got too high of a calling on your life. I don't know how many of you are, are uh, ch uh, not chosen, um, the Crown fans. I know, I know I got one in the front seat, Rebecca. Thank you. On Netflix, there is a, there is a show, series called The Crown, based on the life of Queen Elizabeth. And it's interesting, as queen, one of the common themes that continually comes up is because of her high calling and her high purpose and her high appointment, that she can't live like everybody else. That things that are okay for common everyday people are not okay for her. And, and I think that that's exactly what Paul is trying to tell us, that you are royalty, that you are king's kids, that you serve the king of kings. You're a son and daughter of the Most High, and it's not okay for us to live like everybody else. It's not okay for you to continue to live like everybody else in this culture. In fact, the, the, the culture in Ephesus very, is very closely related to our culture today, I believe. In, in, it had one of the seven wonders of the world was a temple, the, a temple to Artemis. And it was a, a prostitution temple. It was a temple, one of the seven wonders, this huge temple that was literally made uh, an idolatrous temple where you would go and part of your worship is you would pay a prostitute and you would have sex with the prostitute. And this was an act of worship to this whole way of living in this God. And, and we may not have temples. I was thinking about this. God, what's the modern day equivalent of something like that? We may not have physical temples, but you could go online to some temples and you could get into some idolatry, worshiping things that are not morally sound. I'll just put it that way. And it is leading us down a dark path. So Paul, I believe, is warning us. And I want to warn you and urge you that it's time for us to be awakened and it's time to allow God to clean his house and that begins with you and me. A clean house, a clean church begins with you and I living a life that is pleasing to God. It is being awakened to, the, to his truth about who he is, about who we are in him, and then finding out his will personally for your life and what pleases him and doing that. And I'm telling you that 
if we're not awakened in this time, I'm afraid that some of us are going to look back with regrets, wishing we had wrote a letter to ourselves five years ago, two years ago. You know, it's funny. There, I can look back over my life, and there are times when I feel like I was asleep. Paul is giving this picture that I, I had a friend that I used to work with, and he used to sleepwalk, like bad. Not just like, you know, get up and walk into a wall when you're going to the bathroom or something like that. I mean, like legit sleepwalking. Like he told me about one time he was on vacation with his family in Germany, and he woke up the next morning. He had some other shirt on, and his feet were black, and somebody um, helped him back to his room, but he had got up, he had wandered out into the streets in Germany in the middle of the night and was walking around, and somebody actually helped him back into his room. His feet were black because he walked, he's like, I don't even know where I went, I don't know what I did, I don't know what I said. And that, that's kind of funny and scary at the same time, but the reality is, is I could look back on my life, and there's been seasons where I've been sleepwalking, where I've been just going through the motions of life, I've been doing life, and I haven't really been giving that much thought for the direction that my life is heading, the choices that I've been making. I've kind of been letting, I think that's the problem, and Paul is trying to get us to wake up to be wise about how you live. Like every day, use wisdom and have clarity for what you're doing and the choices that you're making so it doesn't lead you into this place where you're sleepwalking as a Christian. And that we need to be awakened over and over and over again. And Paul is saying, wake up. Because I said, sometimes we can drift into these areas of darkness. He said, we need to walk in the light. Here's, I've got a couple things for you. And, and, and one of them, or actually all three, are if we're not careful, we can drift away into these things that Paul is showing us. That if we're going to walk in the light, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be this example, this godly example that the world so desperately needs, that there's some things that we have to be aware of, that we need to be warned of. And the first one that, that Paul warns us of is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will darken your soul more than anything else. You ever meet somebody who is bitter? You ever meet somebody who is angry? You ever, you ever meet somebody and just like, you can actually hear in their, in their voice and in their intonation and, and what they say that they're just not happy. Like there's a, there's a tinge to everything they say that, that kind of is, is critical, it's bitter, it's sour. Um, Paul talks about that there's a, a fragrance when you love somebody, that there's this fragrance that you, that you can smell as an offering. There's actually a fragrance on people when they're, uh, when they're walking in unforgiveness. There's a bitterness. It's bitter. They're, they're just not, they're not fun to be around. They're not very ni nice people. And you could actually, I, I've met people also who are nice people, but there's one area that you might touch on, and there's, you could tell there's something there. I touched on something. There's something there. Look what, actually, Ephesians chapter 5 carries over from chapter 4. And, and I want to read to you, leading into chapter 5, you could miss this easily if you just start to read chapter 5. Paul says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. That's like retaliation, because you're angry, you're bitter. Somebody hurt you, something did something, something to you. This could be from your past. 
It could, could be something in the present. But because you don't allow the forgiveness of God to go deep in you and the love of God to free you, really free you, you don't have it within you to forgive somebody else. And so what happens is just like um, Pastor Josh talked about last week, that's one of the reasons why Paul warned us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, you need to deal with it when there's something that happens to you that makes you upset, that angers you, that offends you, that hurts you, that wounds you. Don't let time go on because part of our natural tendency is just to keep going, keep moving forward in life. And what happens is there's an accumulative effect that we don't realize that little offenses build up over time. They don't just magically go away. They don't disappear just because we feel better about the day or our week or, or whatever. It's there below the surface, below the iceberg where we can't visibly see it. It's there. And so Paul is admonishing us, deal with it. Do something with it. Don't allow a root of bitterness. And actually, there's a, there's a great book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. And one of the things that a root of offense is like bait. It traps you. God, the, Satan traps you with offense and keeps you in a place of bitterness and resentment and darkness. And this is the, one of the ways that it leads you into darkness, into being asleep. And we need to be free of it. We need to allow the light and the love. He says, be compassionate. If you could put verse 432 back up. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another. How? Just as Christ God forgave you. This is the basis for our, our forgiveness. So here, here it is. I don't have the ability to forgive in me. And too many times we go by our feelings our feelings will lead you into a dark place oftentimes. Not always. But because I don't feel like forgiving somebody, and, and rightfully so, people get hurt. You're wounded. You don't feel like forgiving. But, but forgiveness is a choice. And we choose to do it based solely on the fact that God chose to forgive you and me. Like, I didn't deserve to be forgiven. In fact, there's a parable when Jesus, Peter says, uh, one time, we love formulas. We want to know, how many times do I got to forgive somebody? They keep hurting me. Peter said, Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive my brother? And he thinks, you know, probably a good number to impress Jesus is seven. Because he knows like seven, that's, that's a perfect number. It's complete. So he's guessing like seven's a good number. How many times, Jesus? Seven? Seven's enough, right? Come on, give me the green light. Tell me, tell me that's good enough. And Jesus says, no. He says, 70 times seven. And, and there's a connotation, I believe. I don't think that number was just thrown out there. I think it was until it runs its course, until you've forgiven somebody enough, till it has done its complete work in you to where you are free of that bitterness, of that anger, you keep on forgiving them. I learned this lesson from my wife. We had a, a business deal that um, went wrong one time. I used to own a car lot. Um, I know I don't look like the car salesman type to you, but now I'm a preacher. I don't know how that really works. Car salesman to preacher, it sounds like a good testimony to me. But, um, but I used to own a car lot, and one time I brought in a business partner, and I literally believed like this man was going to help my business grow to the next level, and because of that, I gave him half of my business. And I was young. I was a little bit naive at the time. I, I believe the best in people— and, um, and it burned me. 
I went on vacation with my family for a month, and we had one of the best months ever on the car lot. And this man began to think that he could run the car lot better, and the car lot would be more successful if he pushed me out of my own business that I started. And you could imagine, I come back, and he wants to have a meeting with me, and he tells me he wants to take over the business, and, and he wants to buy my share out. And I can just go on. And I, I said, wait, what are you talking about? Like, this is my business. I started it. I started it from the ground up. And now you want me to give you the rest of my, my business? No way. And this man said, okay, well, well, I'll see you in court. And he got all hard with me. And, like, this was, this was going down. And, um, and he took my employee, by the way. So I had to do everything at the car lot. And I started getting very upset, obviously, about this. And, and I started recognizing that. I just started getting mean. I was a little meaner with my kids. I, I was short with them when I would go home. Um, I kind of started being a little cynical about people, started not believing the best about them, but they were, they were out to get me. Like, what's your real motive? You're, not, you're being nice. Like, what's the deal? And we can get like that. And what, what I didn't recognize is there was a root of bitterness, of unforgiveness inside of me. My wife, bless her heart, she felt the same way I did. Maybe even more. If you know my wife, she was mad. I mean, just straight up mad. I thought she was going to kill the guy. And um, he started. So what happened? In the meantime, he started another car lot to compete with me. And she intentionally would drive by this car lot every time she had the opportunity. And when she would drive by the car lot, she would pray for it. She began to pray, God, bless this business. Bless this man. God, I pray that you bless his business and give him wisdom in leading that business to start a blessing. I'm like, you did what? You prayed for him? Come on. Like, really? She's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's biblical. Pray for your enemies, those who've hurt you. And so I started doing the same. After 30 days of doing that, that man showed up at my business, walked through the door with papers and signed them over and said, I don't know, something just changed in my heart. I feel like this is yours and I need to give it back to you. Coincidence? I think not. I think there's something that when we begin to follow God's word and his ways, that there's a blessing that comes. When we choose, not because we feel like it, but because God forgave us and we choose to forgive other people, there's something that frees us up. We begin to walk in the light. We get free of that darkness. We get awakened to things. I was awakened to the fact that I was beginning to be cynical, that I was beginning to be bitter and angry, and I don't want to be that kind of person. And I know you don't want to be that kind of person. So we need to walk in the light. And, and here's the thing about unforgiveness. A lot of times we don't feel like we're not forgiving. We don't feel like we have anything to forgive. I remember one time a lady in a prayer session um, in one of our freedom prayers, uh, one time said, is there any, anybody you need to forgive somebody for? I said, no, I, I don't think so. Well, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. And we asked the Holy Spirit. She said, well, you know, my mom used to tell me, she felt like, well, I'm kind of digging for something, but, but here's, here's the thought that came to mind. She said, when I was younger, my mom told me my sister used to be really mean to me. She just make fun of me. She would kind of bully me. Um, but now we have a great relationship and everything's fine. So I don't, I don't think I, I need to forgive. Well, let's just do it and see maybe there's something there. So she led her into prayer and she said, I choose to forgive Amy or whatever her name is. And she said, as soon as she did that, her, her eyes opened like this. Like she'd just been awakened to something. And she said, 
it's gone. And they said, what do you mean? She said, I don't know, but something's gone. Like, I feel free. I feel alive. I feel wakened in, an, in a place in my life where I didn't before. Some of us need to come before the Lord and say, you know what? We might have gotten over things. They might be in the past, but they might be hanging on to your spirit and darkening you from having clarity to what God is doing and what he's saying and what he's speaking to you. And so just ask, Holy Spirit, is there anybody that I need to forgive? The second thing that can darken our soul and keep us from seeing God and, and being the light, living in the light, walking in the light, is this thing called lust. Lust. Paul says in this chapter we read, I want to remind you, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Any kind of impurity or greed. Look at how he lumps together greed with sexual morality and any kind of impurity. It's all lust. It's this insatiable hunger and thirst for more of this world, more of, of what my flesh tells me that I need to be happy, that I need to be satisfied, that I need instant gratification. If we're ever living in a sexual, saturated culture that tells you that this is the new norm, that anything goes, that you can actually, um, one of the things that Paul was speaking into that day was this ideology called Gnosticism. Gnosticism was this belief that anything that had physical matter was evil. So your body was evil, and anything in your soul um, transcended your body and, it, and spirit, that was good. So what that ideology led to or, or false doctrine or theology was this idea that you could do anything with your body and it was okay. It didn't affect your soul. The two things were separated. And yet, my Bible says that, that God created us as a, as a being that is flesh, that is body, soul, and spirit. And what we do with the body affects our soul and vice versa. And so that we have to be careful he says, don't even get into a hint of sexual impurity. This is radical thinking. This is a radical moral uh, revolution that Paul is introducing into a sexually uh, saturated culture that said anything is okay. Anything is okay. Anything outside of marriage. We are living in a day where I believe that we as the church have to get back to being sexually moral and pure before God and walking in his ways so that we walk in the light of purity. There, let me tell you, as a, as a man, I've seen it. I remember one time there was a man broke down in my office. Listen, this doesn't happen. We think that by one bad decision. Paul isn't talking about one bad decision, one bad mistake. Listen, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all succumb to temptation every once in a while. But when we repent and get back walking on the path that God has for us, walking in his light, we can step right back into the grace of God. Thank you, God, for that. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God? But what Paul is saying is for those who habitually choose day after day to go down this path that leads you into immoral life, sexual impurity. I remember sitting in my office with a broken man and he was beginning to tell me a story. He was weeping and he was saying, I don't know what to do. I said, well, talk to me. He said, it started where I just started dabbling, looking at stuff online that I knew I shouldn't be. 
But you know, all my buddies, he worked in construction. He said, all my buddies, they did it. They'd talk about it. It was freely. See, Paul is saying, look, he said, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual or any kind of impurity, greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. You're a holy person. You have the spirit of the living God in you. You are a temple of the living God. You don't want to be defiled by these things. And then he goes on to say this in the next verse, in verse 4. He says, then he's talking about, um, if you could put up verse 4. He's talking about there should be no obscenity, no foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. He's saying, here's what happens. When you joke about these things, when you make light of it, it becomes normative. It becomes something that, hey, it's no big deal. Look, we're joking around about it. it. All my friends are doing it. Culture says it's okay. So, you know, I think God just accepts me the way I am. And he understands how hard it is to be a young man and to walk in purity these days. Yeah, he does. But he also wants you to live up to the challenge of being a holy, godly young man, godly young woman that doesn't live with even a hint of sexual immorality. Listen, how is the world going to ever get awakened to the reality that there is a God that loves them and cares about them if they don't see a model, if there's no, not anybody who's willing to follow God in sexual purity, to stand up for what they believe and say, I don't care what the world's doing. I don't care what my buddies or my girlfriends are doing. I don't care what Netflix says is okay. I don't care what Vogue magazine or Cosmopolitan say. My God says, I'm going to walk in purity. I'm going to walk in purity. Not even a hint, not even a little bit. Don't compromise even a little. Why? Because this man told me I started dabbling and looking at things online, and then it became more frequent. Then I started doing it daily. And then I noticed that I couldn't stay away from it, that it, I was like, getting addicted to it, but I didn't know what to do. And I kept going back to it, kept going back to it. And before you know it, that wasn't good enough anymore. It got harder and harder. And I wanted more and more. And then pretty soon, I started messaging other women online and soliciting sex from them. To the point where I, I had a woman who was ready to meet me. And he said, I got to that point and I thought about, this is it. I crossed this line and I'll lose, I could lose everything. He had, he had a wife, beautiful wife, beautiful family, beautiful kids. And now he was on the verge of divorce. It got so bad that, that he, he couldn't even uh, be intimate with his wife anymore because it had so messed him up, so darkened his soul. And so this is how it happens. Let me, let me tell you, it happens slowly. It's a slow fade. You don't just go from living in the light to being darkened, just like that. It's a slow fade. It happens one decision at a time, one compromise at a time. One little bit of darkness, little by little, leads you into becoming darkened, becoming asleep, walking, following Jesus. You could come in the doors of this church. You can worship blindly, just, just not even, just asleep. You're, you're in this place of slumber, you're, and you need to be awakened that God has so much of a higher call in your life. Solomon, the wisest man in the world. Look what he says in Proverbs 7, 6 through 9. He gives us an example. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice, and I saw among the simple. Paul's talking about be wise. Be wise. Watch your step. Knowing that every decision you make is leading you into the next one. And so be careful how you're living. 
Be careful how you're thinking. Be careful of the decisions you're making. They're leading you in a direction. I saw the simple and I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going as the day was fading. Think about it. You're just walking around and you're not even thinking about your life. You're just looking around at everything. You're going online. You're following people. You're, you're scrolling through Instagram. You're going on Facebook. I'm, I'm listening. I'm looking at billboards. I'm watching things that I don't even think about what I'm watching and how it's affecting me. I'm listening to things that I don't even realize how they're affecting me and getting in me. He said he was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. A direction. A path. And at twilight, look at twilight, things are getting darker as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. She got him. She got him. Because he wasn't thinking. He wasn't aware. He wasn't fully awake. Just kind of meandering through life. Got sucked in to the dark. The third thing that we have to be careful we're going to walk in the light is that we cannot afford to live foolishly. Paul is saying, listen, you cannot afford to live life foolishly. In other words, think about your life. Use wisdom. I've given you everything that you need to do this life with me. I've set an example. My example is in the book. My instructions are in the book. My commands are in the book. Do you realize that, that God gives us this book for our own good? We think that he wants us to follow him and follow his ways and his commands and obey him just because he's a hard father and he wants to make sure that we are obedient sons and daughters and we're going to do everything. No, he knows what is best for you and for me. And it's your goodwill. It's your peace. It's your love. It's your joy that he has in mind. He knows that if you follow him, and follow the example in this book and follow his ways of wisdom and instruction and his commands, it's going to lead you down a path for your life that you're going to walk in the light of his love and his good pleasure. I love what Andy Stanley says in his book, The Path. He says this, Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Too many of us, we have good intentions. We have good intentions of doing the right thing, of following God. But then we just kind of go in different directions with our life. We follow other things. And I love Psalm 23. It reminds us that we have a good shepherd. A good shepherd who cares about you, cares about me. And that if we will just follow him like children, following a good father, look at what he's going to lead us into. The Lord, when the Lord is your shepherd and you're following him, you're being led by him, there are benefits that come with that. We don't talk about that enough in church. We don't talk about the benefits of following God and his ways. We're letting the world tell our youth and our children, they're painting this picture that if you follow my ways, it's going to lead you into a, a good life, a life of pleasure, uh, a life of leisure, a life of comfort, and it's got everything that you need. It's not attractive. The church needs to become attractive again, not because we've got lights and smoke and all that stuff, but the church needs to become attractive because the light and the love of Jesus is shining out of us, and we are living and walking in that love, which means that we're living in peace. We're living in joy. 
I've got a joy in my life, not because everything's going great in my life, right? Can I get a witness, somebody? There's people in this room that you're walking through some things right now, but my Bible says that I can have a joy that goes beyond understanding, that goes beyond comprehension, because it's deep down within me. It's because the Spirit of the living God is in me, because I'm being led by the shepherd, and I'm being led by his Spirit. And because of that, I don't lack anything. I've got everything I need. He put a banquet table in front of me with a plethora of fruit, and I can eat all of it of his goodness. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He knows when you're tired. He gives you rest. He leaves you be, leads you beside quiet waters. So you can get rest and restored. And even though I'm walking through some things, and I'm walking through some things, and you're walking through some things. Uh, and some of you are going through the darkest valley right now. You don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because he's with me. I know he's with me. I may not feel him with me, but I don't have to fear any evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, he's going to lead you. This is the way he leads you. When you get out of line, when you start going down a dark path, he's going to get you back. He's going to lead you back with his rod and his staff. They comfort me. I can be comforted to know that God disciplines those he loves, those who are called his sons and daughters. And I thank God for the discipline of God in my life. Sometimes we want to fight it. We don't believe this is good for me. But when I don't resist it, I say, God, I want to follow you. Verse 4. Put it up for me. Uh, verse 5, sorry. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows in the middle of all these enemies of my life. And check this out. Here's the part that I couldn't wait to get to. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's what you need to know. What you follow follows you. You got to get this. What you follow follows you. Look at Psalm 23. It started out, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm following the good shepherd. And when I choose to follow him, look at how he caps it off in verse 6. Surely when I follow him, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And this is the part that I want you to get because there's benefits. <laughs> David said, forget not his benefits. Forget not that there's benefits to following God. Forget not that there's benefits to, to living a life where you're surrendered and you're sacrificing what you think is right in your own eyes and what the world is telling you you need to be happy when you're fully surrendered and you're following Jesus. I love that Paul, that David, sorry, reminds us that when we follow him, goodness and mercy follow us. And I could look back in my life, and you don't see it when you're in the moment, but you could look back at your life, and you could see when I was following God, there was goodness and mercy following me. That word mercy is loving kindness. God's loving kindness was following me. As I'm following him, he's got your back. Somebody needs to know that today. As you follow God, God's got your back. He's got your back in your finances. He's got you back in your marriage. He's got you back in your life, in your health, in your, your work your career, whatever it is, if you'll just follow him. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But for too many of us, I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you can come up. 
uh, I love movies. I love a good movie. And there was this movie back in the day called The Perfect Storm. And I don't know how many of you see it. It is about the worst storm in history that hit the North Atlantic. And there was a fisherman that was stuck out in the storm at sea. And there was a para-rescue para team of divers that went out in a helicopter in the middle of this storm to try to rescue this fisherman. His name is John Spillane. And, um, and the helicopter got caught up in the storm and it was going down and it was completely dark. He could not see where the water was. They couldn't see where they were. There was swells 100 foot plus high of waves and in the middle of the storm, complete darkness. And he jumps out of this helicopter as it's going down and 80 feet above, he hits the water. And, and what happens to him is something that when rescue workers are coming to rescue somebody, they, um, there's a saying that they're either alert and oriented by four all the way down to alert and oriented by zero. Alert and oriented by four means that they know who they are, they know where they are, they know um, what time it is, and they know what just happened. That's alert and oriented times four. When he hit the water, he was alert and oriented times zero. He knew he didn't know who he was, he didn't know where he was, he didn't know what time it was, he didn't know what just happened. And somebody else had to rescue him out of that darkness. I think that's a picture of where most of us are in life. There are things that the enemy brings into our life that hits us with, that makes us, challenges us on, on the goodness of God. You know what? I could have added a fourth point to the things that darken our soul, and that's this, the lies of the enemy. I would actually call them better, the lies of life. Because what happens is too many of us, out of nowhere, we get hit with life, and it messes us up to where we forget who we are. We forget where we are. We forget what time it is. And we forget what just happened. And Paul's saying, it's time to wake up. Wake up. I got this picture of God shaking some of you and saying, wake up. Wake up. Wake up out of your slumber. Wake up. You're not dead. You're just asleep. I've got so much more for you. The light of my love, the light of my goodness, the light of my forgiveness. I want to shine it on you. My grace wants to shine on you. But you got to allow me. You got to surrender to me. That's why we need to be awakened to love as my highest priority. I'm going to finish with, with this story. I'm going to try to make it quick. One of probably the darkest season of my life um, I moved out, my, my wife and I, we moved out to Montana because we believe God called us to move out to Montana. They, God gave us a word sovereignly, just called us to move to Montana. We moved to Montana and I believe God moved us to Montana to help this little country church in Proctor and to be a part of what God was doing there. And we were a part of it for years and um, even helped with the youth ministry there. And that's where I preached first time in my life scared to death, sweating bullets, couldn't hardly get words out of my mouth. My wife was in the back embarrassed for me. And uh, I think she still is sometimes. But uh, after about four years of, of being a part of that church, started changing a little bit. And 
And we felt like God, like we weren't supposed to be there anymore, that God was moving us on. We moved into Kalispell, we bought a house, and I probably went through the darkest season of my life as a Christian. I was mad at God. I was disappointed. I left everything, sacrificed what I thought was my life, my plans to move to Montana, to what I thought was to be part of this church, and now we weren't part of it anymore. And I started just going down this dark path, this direction where I started moving away from God instead of moving towards him. And I started dabbling in sin just like that man I was telling you about, and my heart started getting hardened towards God and to his things. Yeah, I came to church. I was still a Christian, just like you, just came in, would worship, but inside I was not good. I wasn't following God's plan for my life. I just, I kind of gave up on it. I was, I was a little bitter, I was angry, didn't have clarity for the rest of my life. God, why, why did you bring me here? Now I'm here and I don't know what to do. I don't want to be here. I got a phone call one day from a lady, prayer warrior, just one of my, one of my spiritual mothers. She said, I hadn't talked to her in years. She said, Lance, I was praying for you and God gave me a picture. I just want to share it with you. Gave me a vision. I'm going to share it with you and you do whatever you need to do with it. She said, um, I saw you in an in airplane. You're flying this airplane, but you put it on autopilot. And you're just cruising and you had no co-pilot with you. Nobody else in the plane. You're all alone. Weren't following anybody. You didn't have anybody speaking to you, helping you navigate you put it on autopilot, and what you didn't realize is the nose of the plane was tilted down, and you were slowly headed for a crash. But you were oblivious to all of it. She said, so you pray about that and let God speak to you, whatever you think that is. And I thanked her, and I hung up the phone, and I got down on my knees right then, right then. Didn't waste time. I said, God, forgive me. So I'm headed down a path you never had for me. And I repented right there, and I said, God, I don't want to be this person. Would you change my heart? Will you come in? Fill me with the light of your love. Forgive me. And I got up, and I started making better decisions for my life. I started reading my Bible, and somebody put this book in my hand called Dreaming with God. And I started reading that book, and all of a sudden, my heart started coming alive. And dreams that God put in my heart, seeds began to be awakened in me. And I started being awakened to it. And the light and the love of God started flooding me. And I started a men's Bible study and getting with other guys because I needed, I needed examples in my life. I needed, I needed to be real with. And I needed to have men around me that love God and wanted to pursue him together. And I started doing that and following. We started following Jesus together. And I'm wondering as we close, is there anybody here today? that you're slowly fading into black. You're slowly going down this path, whether it's in your relationships, it's, it's whether it's in your relationship with God, it's in your marriage, it's in your finances. Whatever it is that God brought you here today because he wants to wake you up out of your sleep. And he wants to shed his light on you. And where it starts is right now recognizing that I've been sleepwalking with you, God. I've been going through the motions, but I am not fully awake and I am not fully alive. And I want to be. I just don't know how to get there. I just want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you. 
If that's you, I wonder if you would just be so bold right now. You know, the first step is making a bold move. When other people think you're crazy, you get to a point where I don't care what other people think. What I care about most right now is pleasing God. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just slip it up right now. Don't hesitate. God bless you. 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 I want to pray for you. I want to pray maybe for some of you, today is the day that you say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. That I've been resisting my good father. You say, today is the day that I want to make that decision. I need to surrender. I need to get on his path for my life. I've wandered away. Maybe you're here today and you used to be on that path, but you've wandered away. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. God bless you. Anyone else? Maybe there's some of you online. If so, just put in the, in the chat or the, the box, I believe. I want us to pray this prayer together. Father, let's pray together. That means you pray with me. Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me on the cross to forgive me my sin. Today, I fully surrender my life to you. I ask that you forgive me. Wash me clean. In Jesus' name. Amen. For the rest of you, would you stand to your feet as we worship? I want to pray for those of you who raised your hand that said, yeah, I've let some things in my life darken me. And today, I want to be free from it. Come on, if that's you, just I want just this whole room just to lift your hands to heaven. Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit upon your kids today. Pour out your spirit upon your sons and your daughters, God. God, I pray that you set them free from whatever's holding them back. God, I release them in the name of Jesus from the traps, the bitterness of unforgiveness, of lust. We bind you in Jesus' name. A foolishly living God, today, not taking thought for life, today we determine that we will live not as unwise, but as wise. We will choose to follow you in every area of our life, fully surrendered to you and full of gratitude for the way that you love us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.